two beers, two kegs. It all drinks by so quickly. We are so very like our ancestors. Did you know that? I have the distinct sense of deja vu, the same hops, the same faithless hope in creating a sequel almost as good as the original. Sobriety is an illusion. But the time for light beer and good Hellraiser sequels is past. On this pod, we show ourselves as we really are. We are so exquisitely hammered, Jesus chugged. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the 173rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Woman Entertainment. We are the internet's number one bad movie and good beer podcast, as rated by Cinebites and Toymakers. I, Chumzilla, will be hosting tonight for our first installment in the Hops and Cosmic Terror Flop series, where we spend time with some horror franchises that went to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by decent movies. Space! And for some reason, it seems to always be the fourth installment of the franchise that sends the slasher protagonist to the stars, as is the case with this uh, episode tonight, we'll be talking about Hellraiser colon bloodline. That's a solid question. Does anyone know if there's a formula in Hollywood where the fourth of every horror movie has to be a space-based? Right? There's got to be something, right? It was honestly a mid-90s thing. Like All these straight-to-DVD franchises were like, you think we could all rent the same warehouse and maybe share it and split the cost? Sure. It's the same space set. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they got it from a porn studio. <laughs> it, definitely, of... it definitely didn't put any money into CGI. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's really funny when you think about this movie, CGI is terrible. And then, like, not much later, we get like Event Horizon and it's... Starship Troopers that mostly look good versus this looks like straight crap Here, here's what i gotta say so this movie doesn't need cgi uh and neither does leprechaun 4 which we're doing next week and yet they both <laughs> consistently do long shots of the spaceships that are fully cgi oh. and look like a Sega oh. saturn game <laughs> it's yeah it's uh it's not great anyway joining me on this episode is everyone's favorite wig wearing frenchman the thunderous wizard if you touch my magic puzzle box, you will die. Oh, no. It, it make her. Get <laughs> fun to know. I didn't know you'd be back. <laughs> Any demon that comes out of this puzzle box will have sex with you, and then you will die. Eugene Levy would have probably helped this movie out. And uh, we've also got the pod's second most dedicated pleather bondage wear enthusiast, Mayor McCheese. I don't really have a quippy one-liner. I'm glad to be back, at least for the month of October, but I'm very upset we started it with this movie. Yeah, no, I feel bad. I, I, I vaguely remember liking most of the theatrical released uh, Hellraiser sequels, 
and this one was way worse than I remembered. It's bad. So that's my bad. I apologize. And you mentioned it earlier, but the whole time, the only thing I could think of was like, God damn it, I'd much rather rewatch Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah, much better movie. Yeah, but it's, you know, that's three years later, too. But anyway, and sadly, tonight, our uh, our favorite toy maker, Captain Cash, won't be joining us because he is, in fact, trapped in the lament configuration, the lemon chard. He's in the puzzle box. I thought he got Siamese twins since he loves himself so much. Oh, no. <laughs> Full bondage, now. Captain Cash, trapped in Le Marchand's box or the box of sorrows. <laughs> or as talk he calls about... it, the box of boners. Oh, yeah, but talk about bad special effects. We'll, we'll get to it later, but that Siamese twin bit, whoa, what? Mm. Anyway, yeah. All right. As always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can download us anywhere you find the finest podcasts. Don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment on Twitter and Instagram for all your soul-tearing content needs. And gentlemen, that does, in fact, bring us to beer. And tonight, I've gone with the Chumzilla Local Brew, uh, something from New Realm Brewing Company. I've got their Tank Dog Hazy Imperial IPA. Uh, New Realm is based out of the ATL with some satellite operations in Virginia, and their Tank Dog Hazy Imperial IPA, that's a mouthful, checks in with a Captain Cash approved 9.6 ABV. It's uh, billed as being double dry hopped and a New England style IPA brewed with citra and mosaic hops. And it does pour with a very golden amber and a solid two fingers ahead with some decent lacing. Um, It's not the juiciest uh hazy ipa i've tasted but it's got a good flavor that definitely smooths out that aggressive abv um so i'd say it's decently drinkable and it's available exclusively in stovepipes as this beer has been marketed towards the grab and grow market demographic so this is not like something you can pick up in a sixer this is like a little single at a gas station or at a market or maybe like a music venue or something or at a Um, french toy makers brewery (laughs) Yeah, and like the the can art is pretty interesting because it's actually just a sticker applied on a bare aluminum can, uh, but it's got an angry looking dog with a mallet and a tanker in his hand. So it's uh, you, know, you know it's interesting. Uh, I'll give it that. But I feel uh, like, yeah, I feel like I've been out of the loop for a while. Is brown bagging it coming back? Is that a thing? Uh well, you know, there's a lot of the. Uh, Oh, what do you call them? Like entertainment districts? Like post COVID, a lot of places like relaxed their open container laws. So a lot of downtown areas became like special entertainment areas where you could like you know grab a beer and walk around from shop to shop. Sweet, are the youngins doing something right for once? I, I mean, yeah, kind of. I don't know. It was really weird. Uh, I hate to say it, but the last time I was back home in Ohio, I was shocked because you could get a beer from one of the college bars in Oxford and walk out with it in a plastic cup. Are you shitting me? No, I no. I literally asked the bartender. I said, "I'm sorry, are you a cop? Is this is this a, is <laughs> yeah. set up? Where's you're Ashton? You're Where's Ashton me, at? Yeah. You're gonna get the old guy, huh? You're gonna tell, you're telling me I, you're gonna give me a beard, let me walk out with it? And it's like, oh yeah, it's a special entertainment Odoro zone or whatever yeah. outdoor entertainment. But blah, blah. is but it yeah, just I one, mean, or can I like walk down the street with a pitcher of beer? Is there I, a rule? What's I the rule? Uh, it has it to be Oxford. like a special cup. But we definitely thought it was yes. a sting operation. Oh, between you two and Oxford, I'm fairly sure it was a sting operation. We're like, look at these rickety old bastards. Let's put them in jail for the weekend. We're on a list. 
but yeah, anyway, but yeah, that's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, marketing deal and it's a decent beer. Uh, they got a couple varieties actually that they've marketed this way. So I tried that one, maybe I'll try one of the others later, but as far as this uh, tank dog, hazy Imperial IPA goes, I'm going to give it a solid two movies. Uh, I might even drink it for a third, but I doubt I would remember it. So cheers. <laughs> I don't think you're making it to a third at a stovepipe at 10%. I'll tell you this, I, yeah. I would have drank it through Hellraiser 4, which I had to drink several IPAs to get through. And unfortunately, I remembered every bit of it. Mm. I'm trying to remember if I drank during this because it just, and we'll get into it. I, uh, I, I had to. to. I had to. I'm just trying to remember how many I had or if I just laid a base before I went in. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's again. I'm so sorry. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the tale of the tape here. Hellraiser colon bloodline is the fourth installment in the Hellraiser franchise and the last of the true Hellraiser sequels, as it was the last to have any official involvement from the franchise creator, Clive Barker. And it serves as both a prequel to the first Hellraiser movie and a sequel to Hellraiser 3 colon Hell on Earth. So that's uh, neat. Um, it's also the last Hellraiser movie to be released theatrically, which seems about right. It was produced on a budget of four million and only managed to bring in nine point three million at the box office. Now that's not great considering the first Hellraiser movie cost about a million dollars and it made fourteen point six. And then Hellraiser three, you know, the movie before this one, it pulled in twelve point five. So Bloodline marked a significant regression in the franchise's box office draws and banished the rest of its sequels straight to video hell. Jesus rewinds. So technically it's not fully a flop. It's just a flop in comparison because the other ones made such a better ratio. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how this made $10 million. I don't know. I mean, I guess people were like, oh, oh yeah, the, the new Hellraiser. Well, I'd love then, to see. I'd like to see the exit poll on the that movie. How'd you like it? Oh my god, not. <laughs> but horror movies were just cash cows in the eighties and nineties. So even crappy yeah. sequels like from like Nightmare on Elm Street three through five, they just made bank. And four and five are pretty terrible. Obviously, though, they're a lot better than this. But this is really barely a movie. Bloodline is one of those cliche. Hollywood Tales of Woe. The original director refused to act on the studio's notes, and as a result, a second director was brought in to shoot new scenes and keep the suits happy. Uh, Miramax slash Dimension uh, knew they had a stinker on their hands and tried their best to make it worse. <laughs> they, demanded, <laughs> they demanded the pinhead appear earlier in the film, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but they don't do it very well. Uh, and that the future version of the toy maker, that'll make more sense in a second, uh, they wanted him to act as a narrator and, and to be like a framing device for the movie. And then they also wanted to make sure the movie had a happy ending, which in a Hellraiser movie, I, I don't really think that that's what people are there for, but whatever. Uh, it's safe to say, though, none of those changes saved the film from bombing, relatively speaking. The narrator. Oh, my God. Uh, the, it, the whole framing device of this movie it, is just so stupid. So painful. And the worst part is you can tell that's all chopped up and shot at different times because i swear that dude's hair changes from scene to scene because he's got like it's like a shaved head it's like close crop but then all of a sudden he's got stubble it's like is that supposed to indicate time has passed i don't think so it just the movie's just chopped to shit there's um, sometimes where he talks like myra from Shit's creek listen demon <laughs> <laughs> yeah he sort of does uh, changes like the way he speaks 
I think it's because it was shot at different times, and he's Canadian, so he's probably trying to like hold down some of his Canuckisms. I like how the movie's not doing itself any favors, and this is super nitpicky on my part, but there's definitely a scene where the shadowing's all fucked up, and I was like, is his head half caved in? Why is this? Like, there's like a weird line across a quarter of his forehead, and I was like, it definitely looks like this was supposed to be a scene after he was brutally injured, and they forgot to fix the lighting. It's just a boom mic in the way, and they're like, just fucking, we're keeps, not doing just we're keep not zipping down and shooting yeah. back. Down. Like, it like creeps in front of the lights, and there's like, no, we're not doing it again. Just keep it, stays in. You just I, hear I, the dude sneezing. I'm curious as to what was reshot because there are scenes in this that are comically bad, which we'll talk about uh, during the plot, but like, yeah, I, it's I, like, holy shit, how, did they how can this, you pick like, just in, one <laughs> in a cardboard house? Like, what is this? It's definitely done on the cheap. Anything they reshot was done as cheaply as possible. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so it checks in with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 25%, seems about right, and a Metacritic score of 21. Uh, the user scores are barely higher at 36 and 6.5. Wait, what? Get 6.5? I mean, come on. I mean, I get the standard genre bump. I'm a big fan of that. That's, that's the thing. Horror movies have a fan base but that seems way too generous i mean this movie is a mess it it is shot horribly in some parts and it's not nearly fun or gory enough to make up for it my no opinion. it's so fucking lazy this movie ah yeah especially compared to the previous sequels granted by the third one it was a little like okay we've kind of done this before but it's still the third one still has some pretty pretty cool stuff in it like it oh they it, i mean it works certainly, as a genre movie yeah they start scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of cenobite design by the third one and then this one's just like yeah you know i'm gonna try the, the gore and the shock value is roughly the same as a putt-putt course <laughs> yeah and, and i honestly i think the movie kind of the, the franchise that has kind of painted itself into a corner because you can only get so so much more gory before it's nc-17 or x right so i mean i don't know what you're gonna but do. it's not it's not even creative. Like we're no, just gonna constantly fall try. back. We're gonna constantly fall back on like, Pinhead's fucking chain well, talent. It, rem- it reminds me of Saw, right? Like the first time you see it, it's shocking, it's gruesome. It's like, oh wow. And then they run out of good ideas for traps or way to ways to torture people, and you're just kind of like recycling better ideas, and it's just not good anymore. Yeah. And you know, it's sometimes you just gotta let stuff die, right? So anyway, um, Bloodline runs a hellishly short 85 minutes, but it does feel a bit longer. Um, it is rated R, and that's mostly for cheesy close-ups of hooks slicing through latex and corn syrup. Yep. I mean, that's about as daring as this movie really gets, which has been done in all of the Hellraiser movies, so that's nothing new. Um, you can get it for free on Cinemax? Which I didn't know was still uh, a station or channel or however you can pronounce it anymore. I don't. This is like the only Hellraiser movie that's not on a normal streaming service or to be for free. It's on another a- reason to say thank you. Thank you, yeah. Chubzilla, for making me spend $4. Yeah. We, we had to choose the friggin' horror sequels that aren't available anywhere because nobody gives a shit about the one time they all went to space. Uh, you you put the space caveat on this know, month, so this is partially fault. your fault, too. Yeah. Both hey, you owe me $2. Listen, Leprechaun is on Peacock for free. Nice. <laughs> all of them. I blame the a way wings. better movie, I'm sure. Hey, the original Leprechaun is definitely on Tubi. 
I just watched that the other day for the first time in preparation for four. So I figured I should probably watch the first one. No, the first Leprechaun is great. I I was shocked how awful Jennifer yeah, Aniston yeah. was. I mean, like, <laughs> she's fine in Friends. I'm not a huge Friends guy, but she's fine. And she's fine in other stuff I've seen her in. Like, I watched a few episodes of that morning show show with her and Reese Witherspoon. And like she can act, but she definitely is not acting yeah. very well in the leprechaun. You know, I just wow. I just want to point out that it's really important that you watch the first movie because that backstory really pays dividends uh, for four. Mm. I think we talked about this before, but <laughs> I, I I highly doubt that. But I'll I'll take the bait. Nope. I'm gonna nope. keep that in mind. He's just in space. No explanation why. <laughs> oh, well, he's a leprechaun. I'm not really expecting much. I'm like, hey, he's a mythical Irish creature in space. I am excited for them to try to explain rainbows in space. So I'm gonna gear up for this one. Don't be bagging on the Bifrost oh, there. Oh my but... god, can we dress up as leprechauns when we record that one? Oh, or at man. least wear a shitload of green <sighs> St. Patrick's Day themed crap? It'd be Maybe... so much easier if we were doing this in the spring, yeah. Maybe that's what Captain Cash is actually doing tonight. He's fashioning uh... his shillelagh and uh, getting his hat ready. <laughs> he's probably trying to slip into Warwick Davis's DMs right now. That's what he's doing. Get some of that willow action. You could uh... probably try to get that dude to do a cameo for us for the episode. <laughs> Oh, you know, that's not, that's really not a bad idea. But yeah, like you said, though, McCheese, you can also rent this turd for like $2.99 on most other reputable streaming services, but you, you really shouldn't. Jesus regrets. Uh, but fun fact, I found out just today there is a work print of something vaguely resembling Jaeger's original cut of the movie online, if you look in the right places, but be warned, it's a very rough cut, seemingly transferred from VHS to Betamax, back to VHS, and then uploaded to Pornhub. So view at your own risk. Uh, as much as I'm a cheap bastard, uh, if you're going to watch this, pay the $4 because I started watching the first minute of what you sent over, and it's atrocious. It's bad. It's real bad. It's real bad. Uh, <laughs> apparently, you can see some of the cut footage that uh, Thunders Wizard I'm was good. alluding to earlier. But yeah, uh, no, I, I've read descriptions. I know enough. I don't need to see it. It's not going to make anything better. What's really so, tragic is that you can find that online, but the blood orgy stuff from Event Horizon is lost forever. Like so in the technically, rain. Adam Scott is a porn star. Uh, okay. I do have questions about him in this movie, but we'll get there. Yeah, uh, I can answer some of them depending on what they are. Uh, anyway, let's get on to the director and the cast. Uh, the movie was, again, mostly directed by Kevin Yeager, best known for special effects work. Uh, before he abandoned the project because he refused the studio notes and was replaced by Joe Chappelle, best known for... Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, yo! Word, bitch! Phantoms like a motherfucker. That's right. Joe Chappelle directed Phantoms. Uh, so there. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the movie only returns one cast member from the previous three installments, Pinhead himself, Pittsburgh's very own Doug Bradley... And before you jump on the internet, I know Doug Bradley is a Brit, but he currently resides in Pittsburgh because uh, his wife uh, has, like, she does art or something. She His, his wife's from Pittsburgh. He's a yinzer. <laughs> he is a yinzer. Yins have called to me. <laughs> now you will suffer. Yin's going to pay uh, with your blood? <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, okay, but hey, and then we uh, then we get uh, Bruce uh, Kmart uh, RDJ Ramsey 
starring as all three versions of the toy maker. Uh, we get Valentina Vargas uh, as the demon Angelique. Uh, the chick from Freddy 2 shows up as the present day, that's the 90s era toy maker's wife. And then one of the chicks from Dazed and Confused plays a knockoff Mila Jovovich in the future timeline. And oh, as you pointed out, Mary McCheese, Adam Scott is in this too. And he appears to have wandered onto set coming straight from an interview with the vampire porn parody. And he, much like Paul Rudd, appears not to age. What is that? Yep, it's all the bloody drinks. I he guess. looks exactly the same. Like, like you probably mentioned it. What year did this come out? 96. Jesus 96, fucking yeah. Christ. Looks so exactly was, the same. He, he was 30 years old in 96, and he's still 30 years old. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's like, oh, you can still recognize him. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's the dude I just saw on TV yesterday. It's the same guy. But, uh, yeah, him, Rob Lowe, too. Remember yeah, Rob he Lowe and uh, Rob Lowe <laughs> famously had blood orgies on the set of Parks and Rec, which is how yeah. they stayed so fresh. Chris, I, Chris Pratt ocean. wandered into one and was very yeah. upset. Yeah, well, that's how he got skinny. The devil worshiping. Before we have to talk about the plot. Now, I went a little deeper into the plot this time just because I want to have fun with it. So please, guys, make fun of it. Oh, I mean, there's so much to cover. This is a timeline spanning masterpiece. (laughs) I was about to say, you better have come up with a lot because I could have done this plot in maybe one paragraph. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I kind of kept, you know, I had some fun with it. But honestly, I'll get this out of the way now because I don't have it in my notes later because I wasn't going to talk about it. But the original script, the original screenplay for this was much more straightforward and linear. Like, and some people say it was one of the better scripts they'd seen for a Hellraiser movie. And then the studio was just like, nah, let's do something else. Was it all and, in space? Uh, no, I, I think it was more about the history. And then I think they wanted okay. it to end in space, maybe. Oh, that's what it, we need is more still, of the French timeline. Still a very strange well, leap to take, to take right, it to space. It, 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 but there's a couple of other key differences. Um, there are more characters. Uh, that Angelique character has a different relationship with Pinhead, which is one of the things that was cut and reshot extensively. Yeah, and they're honestly, not so much lovers. It's more like she's... The original script, they were more antagonistic to each other. They yeah, were it seems like he's like he at one point he puts her in her place yeah um but that like none of that is present before then so it's really weird right she's supposed to be the old guard he's the new guard of hell and it's it there was like a i think there was a bigger thing there and one of the reasons that doug bradley came back for this movie is because he wanted to focus on new characters because he thought it was a chance for the franchise to go in a slightly different direction to get away from pinhead and then they did none of that. And, well, and, the, and then Miramax was like, fuck that. We need Pinhead in the beginning. It, it honestly and, felt and, like the movie was building toward her killing him. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think that was the original script, but I think she had a bigger role and there yeah. was more conflict. And I think it would have been a more interesting movie. I don't think it would have been great, but it was definitely probably better. At least it would have been more than just the Cenobites literally standing around doing nothing. That's what they, I, I, they do. They stand around. We'll get to that. So let's yeah. let's let's get into this plot because I I do make a joke about that at the end. Is the third act of this movie is terrible. It's one of those movies, much like Death to Smoochie. The it's not great. It's a little shaky, and then the third act just collapses. Now hold on, Chumzilla. Let me interject just a second. We haven't done our one sentence descriptions. 
Oh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, start us off, T-Dubs, what you got? How do you ruin a sequel with one terrible idea? Just tell the origin story of the box that unleashes hell on earth. Yeah, answering questions no one really asked. But uh, it's the uh, Solo, a Star Wars problem. How did you get your name? I used to sew a lot. And then I became Pinhead when I went down to the underworld and got into bondage. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I I figured they'd call him Chains. He loves Chains, too. Uh, yeah. We did a movie with chains, didn't we? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it. It was the Brian Bosworth movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Is that is that Lance Hendrickson? Imagine the future chains, because you're not uh, in it. Oh man. Uh, wow. Uh, so okay. So here's mine. Hellraiser bore lines. I think you got to do the colon in there if you're going to do it right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hellraiser colon bore lines. Much better. Much, yeah. much better. Yeah. Okay. McCheese, what you got? Hellraiser. <laughs> More like smell razor. Am I right? Because this movie oh. stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzing. Got him. Uh, but just to be a completist here, IMDB describes this movie as follows In the 22nd century, a scientist attempts to right the wrongs his ancestors created the puzzle box that opens the gates of hell and unleashes pinhead and his cinnabite legions uh, sure yeah i mean that's that's yeah i mean that's kind of it i mean that's like the last five minutes of the movie yeah it makes what, it sound way better than it is what what bugs yeah, me, yeah yeah it does what bugs me the most about telling the origin of this box is that they don't really bother to tell you why it does that, nor do they seem to indicate that the toy maker knows it's going to do that, even though he does yeah. according to no. the lore of no. like this movie. It's just like, hey, look at they this do, thing do I it. made. And his wife's like, dude, that's fucking lame. And he's like, oh, you'll see. <laughs> there, there is zero integration between him and the dude who pays it to him to like actually tell you how the box unleashes hell. He's just like, I need a, I need yeah. a puzzle box. And then all of a sudden, hell! Yeah, here's the thing. The movie answers the question, how is the box come to be? A guy makes it. That's And that's literally the depth <laughs> at which the movie tackles that question. That's not what I want to know. I want to know how the box opens the gates of hell. Yeah. Yeah, we just, the mechanism? We decided to skip that in the South Park version of like, make toy box, profit. Because <laughs> yeah, when I looked all this shit up, basically the toy maker is into the occult. He knows full well what he's doing, but that's not... That's not at all what this movie re- like shows you. The movie no, would have gotten ahead no. if he was like, my bloodline was tied into the rich French guy who hired him for the sole purpose of creating a box to open the gates of hell. Then we've taken care of it in five seconds. We've righted all the wrongs of the, at least the start of this movie. It's a super unsatisfying yeah. way of tackling what they're attempting to tackle. If you frame a movie where you have someone who's essentially narrating the story, you can basically fix any problem if you really want to by just like having him mm-hmm. say something. Yeah, and they don't. Um, so to get to the plot, finally, and now I will need that beer, McGee's. Ah, there we go. Bloodline connects with the third Hellraiser movie and that there is a building that shares design elements with the puzzle box, uh, but that's not where we start, but that's where we ended uh, Hellraiser 3. Uh, the movie takes place in three different eras, following the toy maker's bloodline from the 18th century 
to the 20th century to the 22nd century with Pinhead and his crew following along the way. It opens with the future toy maker asking, I bet you wonder how I got here. And uh, oh yeah, uh, he also built the T-800 that he used to open the puzzle box for reasons. Yeah, even though the puzzle box blew nobody else up when they opened it. It's just like, hey, I better build this robot in case this thing gets feisty. uh, Yeah, and he uses those sweet oven mitt VR gloves. So On an an over-under scale, I'm going to set the number at three. Who wants to take the over? Who wants to take the under? And how many times he does that thing where he leans forward in his seat and checks the door to make sure they haven't somehow punched their way through it? Also, I, I, it's never really clear why the Space Marines are there. Uh, yeah, because he apparently they, took over the ship. Yeah, he, sent, he didn't. He didn't murder the crew like Event Horizon. He sent them home. He's like, yeah, they should be on their way back to Earth. Yeah, so there was something we. I, it doesn't make any sense. The whole Space Marine thing is their guns are comically. Tall, My guess long. is the government owns the ship, and when he stopped checking in, they're like, he's gone rogue or whatever horseshit yeah. they need to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It, the movie doesn't take a lot of time to explain anything, so don't don't get too hung up. And on for being details. maybe the easiest puzzle in history, apparently he had to sit there and try so hard he passed out. Then the, to make the robot try harder to do the little circly move that makes yeah. all of this happen. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, everybody I gotta, else has no problem figuring that thing out. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, even on yeah. accident. Yeah. If, you, if you're yep. gonna make a little box that opens the gates to hell. It's got to be at least as difficult as a Rubik's Cube. This thing has three moves. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's as simple as a bop it. <laughs> well, I don't, I never quite understood. Like you raise one section, you slide it forward, you slide it back, you spin the wheel, boom, pin it. I mean, I, it doesn't if, seem that complicated. If your toddler can usher hell unto earth, maybe the device needs a little tinkering. Uh, you know, you might be onto something there. I'm just saying. Maybe he's just not a good toy maker. I mean, <laughs> he has whoa, puzzle whoa, box. Whoa. <laughs> Maybe My that's guess. why he wanted Hell on Earth because he was so shitty at making toys. He's like, you know what? I'm going to show all you bastards. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he just wanted to get away from his wife. Maybe he just makes that box that has like the four different uh, geometrical shapes on the top. And he's like, all right, can you put the square in the square? And they're like, oh, and he's like, ah, you did it. Good job. Next yeah. one. They, they probably sold these at whatever the 18th century French equivalent of the Cracker Barrel was. But it's F.A.O. Schwarzkopf. F.A. Guy Fontenot. Uh, but no, so the movie goes to a flashback to give us what we've already described as an unneeded origin story for the iconic puzzle box, and it introduces us to a new Cenobite slash demon, Angelique, and as we talked earlier, uh, or as we mentioned earlier, uh, that character was meant to be more of a rival for Pinhead originally, and she was supposed to be acting as part of the chaotic old guard of hell versus Pinhead's like rule-based modern sensibilities or whatever. And uh, that might have been cool, but but, uh, that's what got changed in the reshoots. And basically the 18th century toy maker is commissioned to make the original puzzle box for some rich asshole. And after witnessing the horrors the box brings, namely Angelique, he designs a second anti-box to destroy the first one and prevent more Cenobites from coming to Earth. He's killed before he can create the second box and his bloodline is now cursed or gifted with the knowledge of the box's design. 
Uh, Can we just state that the super difficult to discover intricate design of the other box is just the reverse of this one, (laughs) which is stated not exactly complicated. No, no. If if the uh, goofy wig wearing asshole controls the demon, why does she immediately kill him to bang Adam Scott? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I mean, she she the, says the, the, the rich guy yeah. was kind of gross looking. I mean, yeah. yeah, she gives him the only rule though, or he states the only rule, which comes up later, and that, that immediately without any explanation, he's murdered, and Adam Scott is apparently the demon master. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem to be a hard and fast rule either, because it doesn't work for him. Once she's well, like, you know, I've had enough of you. Yeah, well, I mean, no, she, he, he a, denies it's her. Faust, it's a Faustian, you know, deal, right? I mean, effectively, he gives up his soul to be her partner, and but she holds all the cards. Well, know, I so mean, when she gets tired of him. She says the one, like, he's allowed to instruct her, but the one thing is, uh, the master can't stand in hell's way. And then when it, it's cheesy as shit, she's like, I want to go to New York. And he's like, No, you're not. And then that's enough, apparently, for her to have well, you, you walk out that door, don't bother coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's like a, that's a pretty big caveat. Yeah, we you can tell me what to do until I change my mind. Yeah. Grungy Danzig Adam Scott gets all mopey because he's not getting his nightly bone on and he gets murdered for it. Mother. And then yeah, she so, suddenly appears 200 years later without any explanation. That's not don't, fucking... don't yeah, it's don't don't think about it. Yeah, so anyway, so yeah, Ness, yeah, now we're in the 90s, uh, and the 20th century toy maker designs a building that shares design elements with the box, which again that ties it back to Hellraiser 3. Uh, and thanks to the press coverage uh, that his building gets, this draws the attention of Angelique, and that's when she demands to go to New York and kills Adam Scott, and she comes to the U.S., tries so, to seduce the toy maker. So was Adam Scott immortal? That's my question. Well, uh, yeah, because apparently. of her, yes, yeah, that was the but deal. But he like, was he, still dressed as if it was the 18th century when she's like, "No, nah, I'm leaving." It's like he didn't change at all. He still got the stupid can't, hair. Dude, he, he, uh, he kept his hair down. He did the Danzig look, like Mary G said. He was hip. Maybe they operate under a different set of rules. Like they have to stay in whatever clothes they get turned in, like vampires. But even dumber. I'll tell I mean, you this: when the gates of hell opened, he welcomed them with arms wide open because he looks like a guy from <laughs> created. He oh, does kind of, that kind big of, dumb open shirt, well, <laughs> drinking it, a thing of whiskey. Yeah, I mean, he just he just you know he never adopted the modern styles. He just kind of stuck to his own thing. He's just doing his own thing. It's all good. I mean, There's banging so a demon chick. I mean, like that's a whole that's dude. That's a lifestyle. When you're banging a demon chick, that's a lifestyle. Like you have to dress like it. You can't. Wear okay, it just clothes. wasn't very clear to me that 200 years had <laughs> no, passed. <laughs> None of this. Been, no. We could have gotten a lot. <laughs> we could have gotten a lot of quick and good explanations to try to like make this movie half interesting and they just blaseed through all of that yeah no it's don't 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 think too much about it it's really not worth it uh but yeah so she does make it to the u.s after killing m scott she tries to seduce the toy maker and fails but she finds the puzzle box in the basement of the building and uses it to summon pinhead and this is one of the scenes that was severely reshot because they had totally different dialogue based on the previous relationship before the reshoots. Uh, so they do talk shop for a bit and you do get a little bit of that back and forth when, you know, Pinhead kind of is a dick to her. 
but they do decide to work together and try to kill the toy maker before he can banish them to hell or destroy them or destroy hell or whatever. Because again, the building itself apparently is like an almost complete version of the anti-box design. And then stuff happens. Uh, Angelique tries to double cross Pinhead. The anti-box building contraption fails and the 90s toy maker is killed and probably one of the better kills of the movie, if not the best. And thankfully though, his wife and his child survive and manage to send Pinhead and Angelique back to hell for now. That uh, that little kid, he loves messing around with like uh, connects. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's, he's the got kid. Sweet connects. He's the kid from the shitty Shining made for TV movie. He knows all about <laughs> evil incarnate. Yeah. The bowl cuts yeah. and future engineering yeah. nonsense. It's Red rum need to be in there. Murder and hotels. Rose the hat yeah. creepy after him hard in a few years. Yeah, creepy hotels. He is shining. Uh, so, uh, flash forward, we're now back to the 22nd century, and why do we care? Who knows? Uh, the future toy maker explains to the space marines that he needs to finish his mission and activate his giant folding space station thing to create an infinite light loop to destroy the darkness before Pinhead and his crew kill everyone. And wait, hold up. Wait a minute. Pinhead is already on the ship. What the hell is he waiting for? He can't get through a door. Demon can't get through yeah. the door uh, at all. I yeah. mean, he, yeah. he already knows that the toy maker has the anti-box design. So what's with the lack of urgency? Like, I, I, I just, I don't get it. Like the whole movie's like, I mean, I suppose like maybe five minutes have actually taken place in the future timeline, but it's just kind of like, dude, Pinhead should just be wrecking shot. Yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty long story. He forces upon that space Marine lady. Uh, right that's a lot of history and the whole time pinhead's just staring at the tv screen like all right get to the end of the story so you can kill me he's like (laughs) tapping on the on the lens like are we we there yet Uh, i'd like to get back to pittsburgh to get another permanthes brother sandwich let's go we skipped the part in the 90s one where the mentos cops will wander oh hold on i I come to that that's a joke here in a second mcgee don't worry i didn't forget (laughs) Anyway, more stuff happens. We get to see Angelique in full Cenobite form. Cool, I guess. Oh, and you're right, McCheese. There are twin cop brothers that are turned into Siamese twin Cenobites thanks to some truly laughable special effects. Um, just, the wor- wow, it's so bad. The worst part about it, though, is when we're in the 90s timeline and these two buffoons are wandering down the <sighs> hallway like, you got my back? Oh, I got your back. And they're Where like, are we, man? Rejected, oh. like, two rejected surfers who are like, we definitely shouldn't do this. I, <laughs> oh I, I just have to say, those guys clearly made a deal with Pinhead to get in this movie. Like, because what the fuck was that? And this is the the scene I was talking about where it looks like they're in like basically a cardboard haunted house, yeah. and they they're approaching this door with like light emanating from beyond, and they're like, "Don't go in there, man!" And then they do anyways, and immediately are killed. It's like, I don't know. You guys could turn around like sixty times. This hallway was like a hundred feet long. <laughs> Fuck it, twelve bucks an hour ain't worth this. Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, that's something. But yeah, and the special effects on on their transformation are just it's just laughably bad, horrible. We're, might be the worst Cenobite design I've ever seen. There's some <laughs> not uh, scary, yeah. not scary, not creepy, just stupid, just 
stupid. There's a couple real misses, and that's that's certainly one of them. Well, and then when they when he actually when they actually kill someone later, they disengage from uh, their Siamese twin mode yep. and then swallow the guy between the two of them one somehow. The space Marines, yeah, and it seems like you have a lot other... of time to get away from that. My yeah, other just... favorite Space Marine part. I can't remember if it's the chick or the guy. But they like literally run around a cardboard wall and then press tight to it. And they're like looking and you pinhead walks by and literally glances over his shoulder and then keeps going. They're like, ah, oh, I'm free. Like, oh my God. This is it's, this is like watching a shitty haunted house. It's <laughs> it's something. Everything that shot of that space station looks just as bad as the stuff with the, the twin cops. It's it's not good. Um I guess the Chompy Jaws dog thing is okay-ish. You know, like, I, I didn't mention those. They're they look like naked mole rats, but they're they're creepy. They and like we, we I, I haven't mentioned it because I'm still pretty upset. Um, the whole time that they're chirping at each other, Pinhead and yes. Angelique, he keeps referring to her as literally the princess of hell. He calls her princess numerous times. Yep. So if she's old god money, if you will, mm-hmm. she should have way more pissed off powers than he does. And then when she turns to the Cenobite, it's just her scalp attached to her shoulders. Well, and, and she just is a Pinhead's bitch. Yeah. Uh, I do like it when she talks shit to Pinhead. Like, I'll go play with your dogs. I'm like, oh damn. Yeah. Good, she appears to have no powers whatsoever. Except yeah, her I, I feminine wiles been, over Adam Scott. <laughs> right. I, again, I think there was something probably cooler there that they just didn't do. Sadly, that could have been kind of fun to see Pinhead with a, an actual like demonic rival. But anyway, so then the Cenobites, like they wreck shop and they kill the uh, crew of the ship in some comically bad fashions. Uh, save the toy maker, though, and that chick from Days to Confused. Uh, they blast off in an escape pod while a hologram distracts Pinhead. And then the entire spaceship turns into a giant puzzle box, uh, thanks to some god-awful CGI, trapping Pinhead and the other Cenobites inside with that infinite light loop thing, killing them. Maybe uh, the end, Jesus snored. Looking back, I, we there's so much to pick on. The first thing I may have noticed that got me mad is how dumb the Space Marines guns are. <laughs> They're just like comically long. They have like they have like giant like thirty out six sniper rifles for like close quarters indoor combat. They're, like, they're very impractical. Yeah, they would not <laughs> like, work. They wouldn't even function. Why is that the space gun of the future that you? It's so overly big you can't actually shoot it. They could they could just grab some like Nerf guns and like spray paint them. They would have been. <laughs> it's what a gun would be if a five year old boy was allowed to draw one for Arnold. <laughs> no, they were like they were like four and a half feet long. Uh, the whole space marine thing like, again. Yeah, the, the, why did why why were they brought there? What what? I like the, how I like how the what organization are they with? The, their uniforms are uh, mismatched. Wayland, you they don't me. seem to be trained well. Yeah, I mean. Building Good better news. worlds. We get Space Marines again next week with Leprechaun 4. So I do like how they took their what? Space Marine technology to go back to 1940s and grab all their uh, armor and protective gear. Oh the God. big goofy masks that flop down. Yeah, th- th- this movie. Oh, <laughs> shit. Like, I forgot. They, about they were those. the police academy of Space yeah. Marines. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie really takes no effort in making things look futuristic. It's like, yeah, whatever is laying around in the supply closet, fuck it. We use it. I didn't know you could phone it in any harder than this movie from start to finish. 
tip to tail, left to right, north to south, all of it. Like every single aspect, it's almost like, how can we make this dumber and quicker? Well, and that's the problem with the reshoots because the studio basically went out of their way to find people to help them. Like anybody that helped them fix a movie before on the cheap, that's who they brought in to do this. So everything was done with being cheap in mind. <laughs> well, all right, that is the plot. That is Hellraiser colon Bloodline. Uh, let's get on to our beer ratings because this movie definitely requires beer. I'm going to go first. This is a solid six beer movie, even at 85 minutes. This is a six beer movie. All the beers, the movie is bad. The plot is utter nonsense. The gore is lacking and it fails to make good use of the space setting. And worst of all, the Cenobites that it introduces suck hard. I agree in the sense that it takes three to get through the movie and then another three just to accept the fact that you had to watch it. So you like, it's not, you don't want to pound six during the 86 minutes. You want three. And then once you realize what you've done, you need another three to at least dumb yourself down to move on to your next thing of the day. You don't want to remember this movie. You need to mind wipe yourself. I, mean, I guess you could lay a solid base of if you know you're if you've listened to this pod, lay a solid base of four and then feel free to increase it up to eight. Yeah, <laughs> get 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 a warm up in there. I will tell you this. I had had three and I was approaching the end of the movie and I did like a long sigh and said, I'll, I'll just finish it tonight. And I went and grabbed one more beer. So I it's a four uh very 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 painful four beers uh but a base coat wouldn't hurt heading into this thing because even when you watch bad schlocky horror you expect it to at least be funny because it's so bad or have some funny kills that are absurdly grotesque this has nothing it has nothing to mm. offer it's not satisfying as a horror film it really isn't god damn it chumzilla i'm so sorry all right, well, we've covered the plot and our beer ratings, so let's take a break and hear from our puzzle box solving pals over at the Hot Nation USA podcast. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hot Nation USA podcast, Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We're still talking about 1996's Hellraiser colon Bloodline. Uh, we can talk about our general impressions here, and uh, I got a couple, you know, a handful of questions here for the panel. So uh, I, I think mean, we go yeah. straight to questions. I think yeah. we've done the general impressions. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the movie's just underwhelming. I mean, it's not a good horror movie. It's a standalone. It's not a great sequel in the Hellraiser franchise. Now, let's be honest here. I will say this: the Hellraiser movies, in general, they're not they're not great movies uh, i'd say one they're, is they're, is good right like one is they're, they're good they're good horror yeah. movies but they're not they're not like they're all kind of cheap they're all a little cheesy they're not like yeah. super like, like high budget or anything you know like one was was clive parker's he wrote it he directed it it's based upon his short story yep. you know and then it, it, like anything the studio buys the rights to something and then they just start churning out and then milk it yeah. yeah why is it like 
what's the deal with him in these movies? Like at the beginning, right. it says, uh, you know, from the from the mind so, of Clive Barker, are they just reusing the fact that they bought the yeah, original? Or Clive Barker created these characters and this idea, mm. and Clive Barker was a really prolific writer of horror stories. Um, uh, yeah. He's he's written a lot of things, and then. Uh, Hellraiser brought him into movies, which opened up a lot of different doors for him. And of course, he did like Nightbreed and some other stuff. Ah, Joe but Kane. He, yeah, first and foremost, he was a writer, and yeah. apparently yeah, he fiction was writer. he was such a good fiction writer. Stephen King called him like the next great thing in horror at one time, and he's still yeah. pretty active doing things. Like I think he's doing a comic book. He nearly but died for a movie uh, for a movie shot, like this, and he. Did he have any sort of involvement no, or are they just no. using his name? They just have to get him the right the screen. Yeah. He, he, he was somewhat involved with this one, um, but not, not nearly as much as the first three, but this is the last one that he was actually involved with at all. And his big thing is like, he's always kind of written sort of like sexy, like S and horror. Yeah. Like that's yeah. always kind of been his thing. He's been, he's always been a little like, risque makes sense when there's so many goddamn chains in this movie <laughs> yeah the bond the whole bondage gear look thing and which was provocative at the time and pinhead's a cool character yeah and the first movie's interesting like the story in the first movie is really good the movie's cheap but the story was good and that's what like i think captured people and the first couple of sequels were, were decent I want my I want my Family Guy scene where Peter asks Pinhead about all of his decorations. Like, why you got the pins in your head? I don't know. Why do you have little tiny like one inch cuts of skin flapping down in the front? I don't know. <laughs> That's just how I am, man. This is how I live my life. Put on some leather, slit myself, drive these nails directly into my head, and a nice little waffle pattern. Well, and then go out and scare people. And you know, and that's the whole thing about Pinhead is we find out. I think we find out in the is it in the third one. Yeah, it's the third one. We find out that he was a World War One soldier that, like, basically was desensitized by all the violence and horror that he saw, and he was drawn to the to the dark side. I don't know. I mean, there's some interesting concepts in these movies, you know, but uh, they've always been done on the cheap. These are never big budget movies. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I like how they bring. And this is this links into your first question. I like how they bring up the interesting concept and then they immediately ignore answering it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, okay, so, so, so honestly, like, do we need an origin story for the puzzle box? I kind of like it just being like a cosmic horror device beyond human comprehension. The fact that you're just like, yeah, some dickhead made it out of wood and brass really isn't a great backstory. No, that really adds I, nothing to the, to the, to the I lore. Think, but the I further you delve into the lore of this uh, franchise, even Pinhead, it's all unnecessary. It kind of, it kind of cheapens. It's like, I don't really want to yeah. know what, why pinhead is pinhead or why the mother box came to be it's just like oh don't mess with that box okay yeah. Yeah, hey, at, the, at the same hey, time hey, wait, hold, hold on mccheese ridley scott take some fucking notes at the same time if you would have done an 86 minute very good movie on just how the puzzle box came to be and it, it has a different story that isn't linked to the Hellraisers. I may watch that. I may be interested in that. Let's say the toy maker has some sort of weird time with the occult and all sorts of fucked up shit yep. happens as he's yep. making this puzzle box. And like at the end when he unlocks it and like it opens and then you get the first showing of Pinhead in this movie, I'd be like, okay, that's dope. Cause the yep. whole movie before it is a different entire concept, but it's tied into the name of Hellraiser by that box. That is a movie worth watching. This is not a movie worth watching. No, and I agree with you 100% there, McCheese, because 
if you get into the mechanic of how the box works and, and like that occult side of things, it's like, oh, somebody stumbles across it and you, you build up to it. And then like some kind, even like if it was like a, a slightly different version of Pinhead, right? Like maybe like the proto Pinhead, you know, whatever. You could have something really cool there and, and, and had fun with it. But, you know, honestly, that's more like a reimagining. And I don't think to uh, T-Dubs' point earlier, I don't think Hollywood was tolerating that kind of like creativity. <laughs> right. They're just like, no, we just need a fucking like boilerplate sequel, put Pinhead in it, and we're going to get some money out of this so we can do more Coke. Well, yeah, let's say Coke uh, costs a ton of money. So <laughs> yeah. you can't make a sequel and then decide it's a prequel, but still a sequel, but a prequel, but a sequel. Ah, so right. Pick a lane. Do we know yeah, what the sure. new one is? Is the new one just a complete wash? It's a, it's a total re, it's a total it's reboot, a, and apparently it's it. awesome. God. Yeah, and Pinhead's a chick, which is cool. No, well, they can't get the other dude out of Pittsburgh. He's too busy being a river cop. Yeah, he's, also true. He was actually kidnapped <laughs> by barge pirates. <laughs> There's such a fucking problem down there, man. It's hey, it's uncanny. After Bruce Willis retired, it's gotten out of hand. And our one river cop Pittsburgh expert decided to not watch the movie. God damn it. I know. What what a cop out. Wait, that's another Bruce Willis movie. Anyway, uh, so I'll start with you, McChoose. Which timeline uh, in the film did you hate the most? All of them for various reasons. <laughs> fair. Very I'm gonna go fair. Through, I'll go through quickly one by one because I don't want this to drag oh, on any longer than this please movie. Please do, though. No, I, I want your input. In the first one, I already mentioned it. I have no idea why Adam Scott controls the demon. In the 90s one, it is so goddamn 90s. that. Hold it's on, I'll, I'll answer the first one there. He's slinging mad dick. Second, 90s, go. Yeah, I mean, the 90s one could not be more like, not, it, they borrowed, it's like T-Dub said, they borrowed all the sets from a different 90s movie. And then the third one, I can't listen to future jackass say demon anymore in his dumb way without going crazy because I'm like, one that doesn't look like a spaceship, and two, stop saying demon. Demon, are you here? Yeah. <laughs> okay, the, so they were probably just borrowing like the the sets from Predator Two for the '90s stuff, like, but not the good ones. And uh, yeah, the the spaceship stuff at the end was just shot in somebody some guy's garage. I'm such a genius that I can make a spaceship capable of trapping hell forever. But also, I'm going to be very concerned about this five bar door and put a robot in there, which apparently has to open the box for. Yeah, it makes no sense. T Dubs, do you have a uh, time period uh, you hate particularly more than the others, <laughs> or is it equally across the board? I mean, they're all bad. Uh, yeah, but the the future one is the dumbest because, like, why is this here? There's and, no they point. They do to nothing this with whatsoever. it. Yeah, they, they do nothing, nothing with it. But the yeah. bad CGI at the end. You oh, get hell, cool. hell in space. That's the only reason it fits into this month. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Rubik's cube in space. Cool, awesome. No, yeah, that sucks. Uh, so here is probably the sixty-four thousand dollar question for the pod. How much cocaine was involved in greenlighting that Siamese twin Cinnabite design? I have a different view on it. I feel like someone owed a gigantic favor to either those two dudes or their like dad. And he was like, if you could just put him in your Hellraiser movie, we're even. <laughs> those dudes definitely made a deal with Pinhead to get in this movie. And then like the director or the producer who owed it to him, like he went off to his buddy and he's like, hey, we're going to put him in the movie, but we're going to make him the dumbest fucking people. <laughs> Like, yeah. we're going to give him the dumbest lines. We're going to make him act dumb. 
and then we're going to make him the dumbest Cenobite. Is that okay with you? That way I can get George off my shoulders here. And that's how I think it came to be. Uh, I, I'm actually, here's my theory. It's that the producer shorted his cocaine dealer and that dealer happened to have twin sons and said, <laughs> you can pay me back if you put my kids in your movie. Here's a better question for the twins. What do you think their names were in real life? (laughs) Seeing the two of them uh, and like, I don't think they were acting. I think that's just how they are. uh, But fun fact, those guys are both like prolific uh, uh, directors now. Really? They're film people. They've never done anything big, but but they've gone on to have a a career in in, uh, film and television. Yeah. So I don't know. That, yeah, those double, guys made some double mint gum commercials. Huge directing, yeah, direct, yeah. directing girls gone wild commercial shows. Yeah, no, yeah, something. I don't know. It's a thing. Look it up. It's they're they're not like famous, but they they've had careers. I don't um, need, I'm good. I don't want to look it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, maybe I'll don't. take your um, word for it. Save mm-hmm. myself the time. But you know, T Dubs, you hit on this earlier, and and this is one of the things that really struck me watching this awful movie is that like that angelique character is almost interesting at times but mostly underwhelming and i think it's because of the rewrites they neutered the character i mean like honestly how pointless is she she's just basically in the end she's basically just pinhead's bitch i mean i was literally going to use the same word neuter i think it's i think she was probably going to be a much better character and then at some point some studio asshole was like it's a pinhead movie. Put him in there and make him number one. She doesn't need to be in there, but since we've already shot these scenes, make it work. Well, it's the old... 100%. Uh, it's the Halloween 3 conundrum, right? You make a Halloween movie, you try and do something different, and people show up and Michael Myers isn't in it, and they're like, what in the living shit is this? Uh, and I think in time, Halloween 3, like people like it a lot more, but that's you know producers be like you decide to do a nightmare on elm street and you're like yeah we'll do his brother teddy teddy krueger you just can't do it Uh, yeah and and the thing for me is like she's this new design her design is actually kind of cool but you don't see it forever like she's literally just a woman so i think if they would have made her like if if they'd given her a better character design early she could have still had the final character design or a different one they could have just but they needed to do something with her visually like, earlier in the film yeah. to make her more intimidating why isn't adam scott cutting like carving her skin and pinning it and, like doing these weird things like it, she's well, also, also she has a she has a demon form it peeks out like they dip their toe in like the all black eyes demon voice like ever so slightly and they don't give explanation why mm-hmm. and then they don't lean into it like if that's like if her angelique is human form like oh hey i can act like a human when she does the black eyes thing make some fucked up shit happen yeah, okay no, that's what i'm here for blood orgy no and and they did have some more stuff in the movie that was like there are there are entire scenes and characters that are cut from this movie um so they, they, there is some of that that was there, but that's the stuff the studio said, ah, nah, put pin in it. This, this is the thing about horror sequels, right? They generally diminish in quality. And the whole point of them is you get people to the theater so they can watch the body count. And this movie has a very small body count and is boring yes, as it all does. It's very much like the Skywalker Sega, you know, or saga. It's just about this one dude's family. 
Sega Dreamcast? Sega, Saga, Sega. Um, yeah, no, um, just one dude's family through time. Uh, do any of the kills stand out for you at all, T dubs? Because like the body count's not high. Not like really. I mean, it's all pretty. I mean, we've seen better in other Hellraiser movies. Nothing oh, ups the ante in this movie at all. So it's been done ad nauseum in other movies, but I do like the pane of glass one where the dude gets the space marine gets sucked halfway oh, yeah. through the glass and then yeah. gets cut in half. But that's been, I mean, shit, they did that okay, in the yeah. dome. I, I think that's fair. I, I do like that. I mean, it isn't right, that yeah. isn't that Wishmaster as <laughs> yes I and mean, they've done it a lot i don't that know who was the first right. to do the the body being completely severed and in, in half and all the guts and shit sliding down but i would say that's the only one in this that i was like oh okay uh i did like when the 90s toy maker got beheaded by the spirits of the throat i liked it a lot because i think he felt like he could continue to fuck around with pinhead and pinhead is like all right you could see that was the only good pinhead moment where you could see he finally mm-hmm. got frustrated so much. He's like, nope, we're done here. <laughs> yep. I, and I like that as a bit of like a character moment for pinhead too. Cause like you said, like he was like, no, I'm not, I ain't playing. Like, yeah. Like yeah. The, that I don't toy have, maker I don't have patience to, for you. He's trying to do his rhymes and bullshit. And you could see he did that like half eye roll. Like, all right. Like, like I have, I have a lot of chains. So we're just going to take care of this yeah, now. And that, and that was also kind of a middle finger to Angelique too. Like, see, like your way doesn't work. My way is better. Uh, but yeah, yeah. For the most part, they're pretty forgettable. Um, and then here's the real question. How many Hellraisers have you seen? Mary McCheese. I'll go first because I'm low. This is literally it's only the second one I've seen. I've seen the original and this one. I haven't seen the ones in the middle. Two is okay. I've watched two and called it a day. What about you, T-Dubs? How many Hellraisers have you seen? So I'd seen the first one and the second one. I haven't seen them in a long time. And I think Mm -hmm. I've seen parts of the third one and I'd never seen this until we did this podcast. So, And I I stopped after that. I, I was never big on Hellraiser anyways. I like some of the, the Cenobite designs, but uh, it was never like my favorite or like one of my favorite horror yeah. franchises. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of the same. Like you watched the first one when you were young for the gore, but like mm-hmm. that was about it. Like it wasn't scary. It wasn't like relatable. It didn't have any sort of, I mean, unless you were really big into puzzles. I was, you know, I saw it and I'm like, oh, that is, you know, that's kind of crazy for all the you know, Jasons and Michael Myers we've seen. Uh, because like you mentioned, Chumzilla, a little more bondagey. You didn't see that a lot as a kid, and yeah, it was more very, like gore, very provocative. But, and don't forget, at the end of the first one, the guy turns into a dragon and flies off. I don't remember that. Now I gotta watch the yeah, first yeah. one. Yeah, no, I want I you know, I don't do it on purpose, but I watched the first one about once a year because it is such a damn weird movie. It's such a it's a it's a fun little weird movie, it really is. So, like, yeah, it's so it's so cheap and gory and weird yeah but the end the the homeless guy turns into like a bone dragon flies off his now himself. so what we know so far is once a year you watch this and it's a wonderful life yeah pretty much that's <laughs> that's the alpha and omega yeah yes. very similar themes uh now in saying it, this isn't one of my favorite franchises i'm 100 watching the new one on who oh yeah when it comes out same here 
Yeah, I think that's that's probably going to be my recommendation because I don't think my computer's going to last until I make it to recommendations. So oh, we're, if, we're I have, gonna... if I if I have to say it now, I'm saying it now that, that my recommendation is go watch the new one because at least the trailer looks good. Oh, we're going to tra- just the trailer is better than this 86 minutes of shit. And just for the record, I have seen the first four, including this one. I'd forgotten I had seen this one until I watched it again. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I saw this one, and I've seen Revelations, which I frequently joke about that is the spring break one and it is terrible it is barely a movie and that's one of the director video guys revelations not even once don't do it uh but the first two are fine the third one's very 90s it's the first one shot in the u.s the third one is and it it you can tell like it's it went from being like a little independent british production to some movie shot on the cheap in la uh but Again, there's still some decent kills in that one. All right, listener, we need to freshen up our brews here ahead of the competitive portion of the pod, the Jesus Wept Trivia Challenge. But first, let's hear a message from our Wobam Entertainment Siamese twin brothers from another mother over at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. It is finally time for the Jesus Wept Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, tonight we've got the standard format, five questions, multiple choice, and tonight you'll be playing for Pinhead's eyebrow piercing from his wild teenage years. It's very rare. This is a highly sought-after collector's item, uh, so you know, bear in mind, high stakes here. And tonight's chime-ins are... Welcome to oblivion. I am pain or any of the pod standards. Good. Luck. Uh, this movie is pain, uh, which I think was my one liner for uh, that god awful uh, action movie that Captain Cash loved with Gina Davis. But I only want oh. Pinhead's belly button piercing. So, <laughs> oh, his weird. Yeah, that's a. I I don't know how to describe that, so I couldn't. I didn't look for that on eBay. Naval or nothing. Okay. I'm chiming in with welcome to Bolivian. That works too. Question number one, gentlemen. The toy maker, Bruce Ramsey, also appeared in an Arnold Schwarzenegger blockbuster. God damn it. That's not fair. (laughs) Was it A, a racer, B, collateral damage, C, true lies, or D, last action hero. Ooh, I, uh, I, I don't. I surprisingly, I don't know it. Um, I mean, but, starred might be a bit of a stretch, but he's in one of those movies. He was, he was in a movie, maybe for a minute or two. Okay, I, I feel like I'm just going to chime in with a uh, welcome to Bolivian. Uh, no, you can't steal my chime in, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one with the tattoo of Mike Tyson. I can do as I damn well please. <laughs> 
Bullshit. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to go with True Lies. I feel like he's in the background somewhere. Mm. No, he's not hanging out with Tom Arnold and True Lies. About Eraser. Sorry. I'm going with Eraser. Eraser, McCheese. I am sorry. That's also oh, incorrect. The correct answer was B. He was in collateral damage. That makes sense. Yeah. That's the uh, worst yeah, I, movie on the list. And it's, it's definitely the least one I've seen. I've seen it maybe once with you. Uh, and that was it. Yeah, I haven't watched it since I owned it on DVD. Uh, hmm. I hate that movie. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, goose eggs across the board as we head to question number two. After Jaeger left the film, he demanded his name be taken off the credits. So he was credited under what pseudonym? Was it A, John Smith, B, Kevin Kilroy, C, Alan Smithy, or D, Richard Bachman? Well, Richard Bachman, Stephen King. Uh, my style is impetuous. I'll go with B. Ooh, B, Kevin Kilroy. Kilroy was not here. That is incorrect. T-dubs, can you steal? Oh, remaining geez. answers are A, John Smith. C. Alan Smithy or D. Richard Bachman. I feel like he just wanted to get the studio's goat. So he's like, you're going to call me Alan Smithy, whether you like it or not. I am surprised you didn't know that from the jump there, T-Dubs. That is correct. That is the, now it's been discontinued, but up until I think the early 2000s, that was the uh, Directors Guild's name for directors that wanted their name taken off a project. Alan Smithy. That's for since the 60s. That's that was the uh-huh. pseudonym by directors trying to distance themselves from a project. So they left. Justice League could have been uh, mm-hmm. the crappy Justice League mm-hmm. could have been could go. have included Alan Smithy. All right. So moving on. That's one point <laughs> for the Thunderous Wizard. We head now to question number three. As we've previously mentioned, several scenes uh, in this movie were reshot, and that means that there were several scenes in the trailers and promotional materials that were cut entirely from the film, including a scene featuring what kind of Cinnabite? Was it A, toddlers, B, strippers, C, mummies, or D, clowns? God damn it. I, uh, I, these aren't technical names. <laughs> these are just designs. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they, they were clowns, strippers, mummies, or toddlers that okay, were Cinnabites. So, like, there was like varieties of Cinnabites. I'm chiming in. My defense is impregnable. What, but that's, that is that is the uh, Mayor McCheese with, again, with the Mike Tyson sticking it to T-Dubs. I like it. I'm going to go with toddlers just because of all of the texts we've had recently about how our kids are driving us insane. Well, I would just say that, holy shit, at the end of two, there is definitely a plastic baby doll sewing its mouth shut. But no, that is incorrect. It is not toddlers. I figure that might be. If if they didn't have, if they wouldn't have done it in two, I figure like it could have. Stripper seems like now it's, it's the fourth movie. Fuck. Yeah, it doesn't seem like strippers would would be it unless they're in a. What were the other two? What did his choices? Uh, strippers and what? So, so okay, so uh, the thunderous wizard. Your remaining answers are B. Strippers, C. Mummies, or D. Clowns. Yeah, let's you workshop this. Yeah. I can see strippers because they go to the nineties. Mummies, they're not in the. There's no time and place they go to a museum and clowns. I guess just for the maybe. 
in the French era, you could have a clown. Yeah. You know what? I'm going with clowns. That is correct, T Dub. <laughs> yeah. You know, I You've guess now that got a commanding lead of, of two points. This movie is clownishly stupid. So I yeah. just figured, like, they'd be like, this is a good idea. <laughs> Apparently, there was a scene with demonic clown cinnabites that was cut and like an entire fancy demonic dinner party scene that was cut. So I'm assuming that's what to, you need from a Hellraiser movie. Right. And then to, to your point, McCheese, I'm assuming that was all in that, that weird French uh, uh, flashback uh, 18th century period stuff. But, Again, you're on the fourth movie. Take the fucking breaks off. Um, and and, and uh, I'll, I'll add that there was some um, there was some idea of taking it back to Egypt at one point, too. They might have done like a weird Egyptian thing, but they didn't. Oh, that makes total anyway. sense since the guy who created the box is French. This may be the first movie I think we can go on record stating that they did not do enough cocaine in shooting this. <laughs> I, I think that's safe to say. Like, the problem is, like, it was like, are we doing too much coke or not enough? And like, they didn't do nearly enough for us. Back off. We need to back off. No, they should have kept going. No, they should have taken the brakes off of this freight train, yeah. gotten absolutely speedballed, Gotta and be like, the what end. other kind of setup can we do? What can we do yeah. next? Like, right? Like, hostile, really grotesque eyeball hanging out of a girl's eye. Hostile 2, we're going to cut the Sentinel's dick off. <laughs> that literally happens in Hostile 2. The guy that plays the Sentinel, he uh, gets his dick, his dick cut off. And you I see the whole thing. I think, I think when you make it to Hellraiser 4, you do have to be like, all right, yeah, how, like you got to get go creative. In, the yeah, the yeah. only way to be creative in Hollywood is to get a big pile of Colombian Bam Bam and bury your face in it and be like, all right, for the next centibite, he's going to be half tank, half human. We're calling him a tankabite. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm just saying, like, obviously, Event Horizon dunked all over Hellraiser 4. Yeah, no. Hellraiser like, 4 is the abomination of Hellraiser. I mean, it, like, it uh, is sort of the, the fulfillment of the conceit, right? Right. It, well, it's this, I, I say it's like a spiritual, like, sequel in some senses but anyway hey that is quite the lead you've got there t does that's two points for the thunderous wizard as we head into question number four it's okay mccheese we're not judging here uh bloodline was intended to be the final hellraiser movie which is why it appears that pinhead was killed off in the end but sadly we know that didn't happen um so how many sequels actually went on to follow Hellraiser, colon, Bloodline. Was it A, four? Was it B, six? Was it C, eight? Or D, nine, if you count Event Horizon? Uh, farts and hell-tainted tarts. Oh, my. I feel like, I, I don't feel like there's more than eight Hellraiser movies, so I'm going with four. Damn it. A, four. That is incorrect. I am so oh sorry. Oh, my God. There's more? Uh, I don't think it's nine. Uh, I'm gonna eat your children. Let's go with six. B six. That is correct, me Yeah, coming back. You were on the board, sir. Did they go All back right. to space? Because uh, I feel like if you, no. you over double up, you've got to go back. To space. So basically, all of the, there's one that's like a computer one. There's the Spring Break one, Revelations, and the rest of them. I, there's <laughs> you like missed a, out. You, a, you missed out on the dinosaur one, where it's pin, pin, Pinhead screaming, "Beast, come here!" <laughs> uh, there's a couple of like detective ones, but basically no, no, at no. this there's point, de- there's detective what? ones. 
Well, well, there's like there's, there's like who cops. is the detective? There's cop. They're, they're, they're cop procedurals. So basically, at this point, the franchise is like gone straight to video, right? And what happens is the studio just grabs um, a stupid script that's not even a Hellraiser script and just sticks pinhead into it to get a few bucks on home rentals and streaming. So should, I will, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack and say that I will rewatch some sort of oddball comedy where it's essentially law and order SBU, but pinhead's one of the detectives and he's always <laughs> he's always constantly trying to get the cigarette into his mouth like what do we got here <laughs> uh right. question shouldn't the spring break one be called revelations oh yeah. Uh, yeah probably yeah. yeah i'm on to something and uh fun fact about revelations i'll get this out of the way now uh, that movie was shot in three weeks. It was done because Dimension slash Miramax was going to lose the rights to the uh, uh, franchise. So they had to make a movie to keep it. So they just rushed it into production. And it's just, it's so fantastic, it's just, terrible. It's and just, it's the, it's pinhead and leather board shorts. <laughs> it, it, and it's the first one that Doug Bradley's like, yeah, no dog. So that's, Which that's, one of you females can put the sunscreen yeah. on me? Even Doug the, Bradley uh, wasn't cool with. He's like, he's, I'm a, not, he's I'm at not the MTV pool dancing, and everyone's like, "Who's that guy?" Oh yeah, but yeah, no, that's 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 the first one he noped out of. He stuck around for a couple of the straight d- d- video releases, but not that one. <laughs> okay, I got a second one. I want to see the movie where Pinhead reforms himself prisoner style and tries to reintegrate into society. Excuse me, miss. <laughs> Can you put the sunscreen on my back and shoulder areas? <laughs> Just uh, yeah. it, it starts with him sadly pulling all the pins out of his face in, a, in like a grimy mirror. Like, I'm putting it all behind me now. <laughs> I'm a new man. You're a new man, Pinhead. <laughs> he has to put his hell dog to sleep. He's like, we had a good run, buddy. <laughs> this, I can't, I can't keep you around anymore. <laughs> I gotta gotta get a Shih Tzu. A little choppy mouth just gets slower yeah. and slower. No, no pinhead land. Hmm. All right, final question. I might be able to tie this. Let's go. Yeah, no, you've got you've got a shot here. You know, with uh, with one question left, it's two to one. But cheese, you can tie. Question number five: How many pins are in Pinhead's head? Oh God damn it! Is it a sixty-six? B 99 c 120 or d 130 uh how many pins could a pinhead pin if a pinhead could pin pins something about pin cushion tito's uh i'll just go with 130 d 130 that is correct sir and you win tonight's challenge three to one you are now the proud owner of pinhead's eyebrow piercing from his wild as a as a star dart announcer would say 130 (laughs) oh yeah yeah Mm. you know they're 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 brits that's probably not a coincidence i'm just gonna say okay well uh well congratulations t-dubs you have won the jesus wept trivia challenge and that brings us to recommendations you've made it me cheese we're here i'm gonna go first because i am selfish uh, my recommendation this week is another Tubi horror sci-fi gym, as always. <laughs> Dreamcatcher. Holy oh, shit, Dreamcatcher you... is on Tubi. 
Um, great cast, very quotable, and who doesn't love shit weasels? Skip Bloodline. Watch Dreamcatcher instead. Is that wait? Is that movie a classic fuck around or a fuckery? A fuckaroo? What? Fuckaroo. I think it's fuckery, a fuckaroo. I think it's a fuckaroo. Hey, uh, SSDD, bro. SSDD. Yeah. Yep. I've already done mine. Watch the new Hellraiser. Don't watch this. Yeah. No. When's that come out? Uh, October seventh. Should be right around. Let's see. What's today? The same be, day yeah, this movie be, will drop, or the no, same, same day, day this podcast pod will drop. Yeah. Yep. Nice. I, I look forward to. It. I'm going to check it out. All right. What do you got for us, T Dubs? So my recommendation, because I went on a Clive Barker deep dive after watching this, and you know, I I, I haven't really read any of his fiction. Um, I've seen a bunch of his movies. Like I was always under the impression he was more of a movie person, not. Uh, he's much more well-rounded than that, but uh, you know, uh, there's also an Xbox game he was a part of. He's also got a McFarlane. I think he's a part of some sort of toy line, all all sorts of shit. But mid '90s classic starring the great Scott Bakula, written and directed by Clive Barker, Lord of Illusions. Oh yes, I rented it. It too has some terrible CGI. It, but it also has the chief of police from Super Troopers as a cult leader, the Puritan. Um, hey, Brian is, Cox? No, uh, the other chief. The chief of the, the police department out of the highway. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the, yeah, that the, guy. That goofy Yeah, the guy who slept with his cousin. She wasn't uh, my cousin. That, that, uh, 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 hey, just show some respect. That guy... Uh, he he attempted suicide. He's oh well. He's uh he's great in as he, he is. He's a great actor. He just had a, a rough rough uh, rough lot in life. Yeah, so, he's great uh, as the Puritan in Lord of the Illusions or Nicks. Um, obviously, yeah. uh, Fomp in it. She's pretty terrible in it, but it is early in her career. Really, because um, she was so good in that Nick Cage movie with the the Jaguar. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Um, it it holds up really well. I hadn't seen it since I think me and McCheese rented it on VHS, and I love Scott Bakula. Uh, some truly bad CGI, but uh, I think it's a good slow burn movie. And uh, False Prophets, Idol Worship, I, I liked it. So, Lord of Illusions, you got to rent it though. So, really, that's that's not on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> not that, that I, sounds not that like Tubi fodder. Maybe I just gave them my money because I love Scott Bakula so much, and I feel so bad that they rebooted Quantum Leap and he's not in it. So really, yeah. he's not Ziggy. No, they offered him uh, a role, and I guess it was so minor as it would just be like a token cameo, and he he turned it down. And I like I how Jumpy's barrier to so. entry is if it is or isn't on Tubi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was it was a nice revisit because I'm sure when we were younger, McCheese, I did not get it as as quite like I got it this time. I don't remember watching it, so yeah. I'll tell you what I'm not going to go back and rewatch. It. Although Bacula, peak of his powers, so goddamn handsome in this movie. And just for the record, Nix is Daniel Von Bargen. Yes, Nix or the Puritan. Yeah. yeah, it's got some cool. It's got some really cool stuff in it. Um, but also some terrible, terrible CGI. So nice. <laughs> Next week we have the second installment in our Hops and Cosmic Terror flop series. We'll be reviewing the aptly titled Leprechaun 4 colon in space.
And as always, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Captain Cash is at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. And the Thunderous Wizard can be found on Twitter at Writer TLK. And don't forget Mary McCheese. You can find him on Twitter at H-B-O-F McCheese. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment at wobamentertainment.com. I think I got all the plugs in there. Not bad. Okay. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to connect with us on social media. We're always looking for recommendations for new episodes or themes. All right. Well, I think that, that uh, finishes up the plugs in the episode. So, uh, you know what, folks? Happy spooky season. This is our first episode in October. And uh, you know what, loyal listener? Remember, do I look like somebody that cares what God thinks? <laughs>